Blog Talk Radio. Audiences only. That means, boys and girls, you must be 18 years of age or older to listen. Every time I turn around, there are a group of black women bashing black men and/or a number of black men taking pot shots at the behavior of black women. Is this what today's dating scene in the African American community has come to? Animosity, bickering, petty differences, name calling unwarranted and invalid stereotypes and generalizations. In early May of last year, I had an episode entitled The Chasm Between Black Singles. Later, in July of 2008, I had an episode entitled The State of Black Relationships. Now, once again, I'm inviting my listening audience to call into my show with their thoughts, opinions, criticism, questions, and general comments regarding the seemingly indefinite rift between black singles. What guest is going to add their knowledge, wisdom, and expertise to this discussion? None other than television and feature film actor Hill Harper, who is not only a talented actor, but he is a three-time New York Times best-selling author, and his latest entry is entitled The Conversation, How Black Men and Women Can Build Loving, Trusting Relationships. Tonight, I'm inviting my listening audience to engage in their own 
conversation, both related to the contents of Mr. Harper's book, as well as a conversation that addresses not only the problems and sore spots in the black community as far as dating and relationships are concerned, but more importantly, I want to come up with some real-world strategies and solutions. So this evening, folks, I am inviting everyone who is listening to my show live tonight to call into my show and get up front and straightforward with Alan Roger Curry. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Is this the Alan Roger Curry of Mode 1 fame? Oh, my God. You're really good at this. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta ask you though, gotta ask you, do you feel that black men have some type of unwritten obligation to date yeah. and bury yeah. someone in the race? You do. I think they do. I think right. every I think white people should date white people, I think black people should date black people. Now, how did you come up with this idea to go to Italy with the women? With the women, right. <laughs> I just got so tired of hearing all my male friends talk about Brazil and how great Brazil is for them. When I was growing up, I would go and hear about black women complaining about White women are stealing our men. Don't complain about your goods being stolen if you casually leave them on the front porch. Have sex. Enjoy your life. You know, men really want women to have standards. They really do. And I don't know how we got off of the mark there, but men do like classy women, and they want women to have standards. I think you can be single and be very, very happy, and I think it's about taking the pressures off about being married. I'm not saying that you should disrespect the woman, never disrespect your woman, but the key is to not let her walk all over you. Romantic love is very volatile. People don't realize it. And it is a drug. People don't realize it. Men and women do stupid things. Not all men, but sometimes you'll do something stupid. I think it's a turn on because just to see that person, just to enjoy themselves and just to watch them touching that person and making them feel good, I think that's kind of sexy, actually. Mode one, this is Gerard McClendon from Chicago tonight and the McClendon Report. Right now you're listening to Upfront and Straightforward with my good friend, Alan Roger Curry. Mode one, let the women know, fellas, what you're really thinking. Ha <laughs> ha, Alan Roger Curry. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of Upfront and Straightforward with Alan Roger Curry on the Blog Talk Radio, Internet Radio Network, and I'm your host, Alan Roger Curry. And today is Thursday, November 5th, and in tonight's episode, I'm going to offer my listening audience a unique mix of a celebrity interview 
in a provocative, straightforward, open discussion format. As you know, with just about all my previous episodes, it's either been one or the other. It's either been an interview with a dating and relationships expert, guru, uh, therapist, etc., or I've had a handful of open discussions about an issue, topic, or subject of interest. Now, with all due respect to my Caucasian listeners and my Asian listeners and my Hispanic listeners, this particular episode is going to be primarily, if not exclusively, centered on the African-American dating issues and problems and frustrations on both ends of the gender coin. First, let me tell you about my next two shows coming up this month. Next week, I will have a gentleman by the name of Derek Watkins. Derek Watkins, he's the author of an, what I'm sure is an interesting and entertaining book. I actually haven't read it yet, but it's entitled Why Good Girls Love Bad Boys. Why Good Girls Love Bad Boys. Now, we all know, both the men and the women, we know this is a very common phenomenon among women, particularly young women, say, anywhere from mid-teens all the way to late 20s, early 30s, and sometimes even older. But he's going to be discussing with me next week why good girls love bad boys. And the following week, I will have a woman who simply goes by the name Marnie, and she will join me to offer advice to men on what she refers to as the wing girl method, the wing girl method to attract and seduce women, For those of you who don't know what a wingman or a wingwoman is, I talked about it last week. A wingman is somebody who goes out with his buddy and helps play him up to other women. You know, so if I got a buddy named Tyrone and we go out to the club, I might go up to women and say, man, my buddy Tyrone, he sure is a handsome, charming guy, man. I know these women be falling all over him, and I try to build curiosity in other women. For my buddy, see that's what a wingman does. Or if Tyrone hooks up with a woman, but she got that that friend that got three eyes and two teeth, see I step up and go out with the woman with three eyes and two teeth, because that's what a wingman does. And sometimes men have wing women, and that's what Marnie is going to be here to talk about. As I always do every week, I always I love all my listeners. I always say that I love all my listeners. But I'll give special love to my chat room listeners. That's right. My chat room is, let me see who I got in there. I got a number of guests in here, so I can't call them out other than saying, welcome, guests. Welcome. If this is your first time with the Alan Roger Curry experience, I say pull out your plate of chicken wings and your peach snapple and buckle up because Alan Roger Curry, man, shoot. Sometimes I'm funny, sometimes I'm serious, sometimes I'm PG-13, and sometimes I'm raw. That's right, Mo One. That's right, you in the Mo One experience. I got that's real talk in the chat room. That's real talk. I got TCP Live talk rip. She's a born-again chicken wing lover. She used to hate chicken wings. She'd get on my case about loving chicken wings too much. But she is a reformed chicken wing hater. TCP, much love to you. Got self-guided in my chat room. Got scholarship expert in my chat room. I got scholar, not dummy, but scholar, 2414, 
in my chat room. I got Ronin Soul 75 in my chat room. Rally Rail 79 in my chat room. Rach Garrett in my chat room. Ogre 2 in my chat room. Miss Spoon, Leo W, James 365, House Music Lover, Hot Lady A. Like I said, number my boy Don Calypso. Don Calypso is up in the house tonight. That's my homie, Bob for time. Is that born? No, born B for time. That's right. I'm sorry for miss. I thought that was him. It's a born, born. 50 and retired. 50 and retired has been retired since he was 50. He's just been just hanging out on Vlog Talk Radio. Man, I tell you, I got uh, to be enlightened. That's my boy, Sean McDowell. Now, Sean McDowell, he loved him some chicken wings. He loved, I know he loved, he loved chicken wings and peach cobbler. So I got much love for anybody who loves chicken wings, peach snapple, peach cobbler. I, I could eat that all day. Other special shout-outs would be the lovely, talented Tyler Collins. I appreciate all of the love, support, and encouragement you provide for me on a daily, weekly basis, baby. Much love to Tyler my brother and ace confidant, Stephen Curry. My cousin, J.P. Jones, Chicago, After Ball, Maplewood, New Jersey. Philip Pulliam and his older brother, Irvin V. Pulliam, the third EVP3. No had, a.k.a. Metal Hayes, Vanessa Turner, Barbara Clark, Vicki Kennedy, DJ Squid, Spike Spielberg, Kathy Holloway Hill, Will Wavy, Chad Hunter, all my other fellow Blog Talk Radio hosts, if you're just finding out about Blog Talk Radio, always check it every day to schedule. Somebody got some kind of show that deals with some kind of niche. If you want to listen to a show about just fingernail painting, somebody got a show. If you want to listen to a show about, you know, green, the whole green environment and buying the right light bulb, somebody got a show. That's how Blog Talk Radio is. It's very niche-oriented. Um, the New York Yankees are world champions for, get this, the 27th time. No sports organization has ever won that many championships. I think the Celtics have won 17 championships. The Lakers have won 15, but the Yankees have won 27 championships. Alex Rodriguez, you know why he earned his, his first championship ring, don't you? You know why he earned his first World Series ring, don't you? I'm going to tell you why. Because Alex Rodriguez decided to get up front and straightforward about his steroid use. That's why he won the world. See, people don't people not talking about that in the media, but that's why. He said, he told the media, he said, I'm ready to get up front and straightforward about my steroid use. Um, this is bad news. I really don't like to talk about bad news, but it's just been all over the news. A military psychiatrist just snapped and killed 13, 14 people and wounded another 30 in Fort Hood Army Base in Texas. Stuff like that just, just, just messes with my spirit. It messes with my spirit when people just snap and do stuff like that. You know, now some people have said to me, they said, Alan, I think if somebody ate your last piece of chicken wings, you might snap. No, I wouldn't snap. I would be like Michael Jackson, and this is it. You better not eat my chicken wings again. And I say that with love. L-O-V-E. Say that with love. But don't fucking touch my chicken wings 
ever again. Damn, <laughs> <laughs> you stupid! You stupid. Boy, them don't mess with my don't mess with my wings, man. My wings, my peach snapple. I don't know, my my baby Tyler trying to get me on some palm palm eggs, white passion peach tea. I gotta try that. I couldn't find it in the grocery store. Gossip Girl TV show is having getting a lot of criticism because I don't know if anybody watches Gossip Girl. Honestly, I don't. Um, but I was reading that they're getting a lot of flack because they're going to have an episode where the characters are going to have a threesome. And I guess that's never really kind of been done on, I can't say it's never been done on TV. It's probably never been done on the CW network. Like, you know, like millions of people watch the CW network. But yeah, Gossip Girl, they're getting flack because they're going to have an upcoming episode where three, and I think the three characters are going to be teenagers. They're going to have a threesome. I don't know why they give them flat shoes. They need to watch Oprah. I mean, shoot, the way these uh, kids now, they, they ain't. Oprah had a show about how, you know, these teenagers had these rainbow parties and orgies and all kinds of stuff. I mean, these kids nowadays, man, they ain't playing, man. They get, and speaking of Oprah, Oprah caught some flack because, you know, she came down hard on Chris Brown because Chris Brown whooped Rihanna's ass, as they might know. And then, I guess recently, she had uh, B.B. Winans on the show, and he's turned into, he's doing his best impersonation of the old Ike Turner. I'm just, I'm tripping off of that. I mean, this is a brother who was singing gospel, man, and now he's just like, you know, whopping on some women. Whop, whop, whop. I mean, see, if everybody just would enjoy plates of good chicken wings, peach snapple, peach gobbler, There'll be nothing but love in the world. There'll be no wars. There'll be no animosity. People will just look at each other and say, I love you, and I love you too, and they just be munching on chicken wings. But, yeah, it's yeah, somebody said it's alleged that B.B. Winans did that. Okay, maybe it is. Maybe that's not a fact. Okay, I'm going to correct myself. It's alleged that he hit his ex-wife, and uh, that's just messy, you know. And Rihanna, speaking of Rihanna, Rihanna, see, this kills my spirit, too. You know, because of the whole incident with Chris Brown, she now on Good Morning America, I don't know how many people saw it, but she said, F love. Yep, that's what she said. That's what Rihanna, I swear to God, she said, F love. She, she's basically not a believer in love anymore. That, that's, just, that's just, that's sad, because... Yours truly, Alan Roger Curry, is a is a believe in love. Like I, I'm such a believe in love that sometimes in my stomach I get butterflies. I'll be right back. Hey, hey, I'm dangerously. 
And you may have read my short story, Till Death Do Us Part, in the New York Times best-selling anthology, Succulent, Chocolate Flavor 2, presented by Zane. Well, things get even hotter between the pages of Keep Your Panties Up and Your Skirt Down. Check it out at PantiesUpSkirtDown.com. And remember, keep it dangerous. No one. You're about to enter into the erotic zone with yours truly, Alan Roger Curry, the king of verbal seduction. This is the erotic conversationalist. This is Diana DeVoe, and you're listening to Alan Roger Curry, a.k.a. the king of verbal seduction, right here on the erotic conversationalist. This is Layla Odom, and you're listening to Alan Roger Curry, a.k.a. the king of verbal seduction, right here on the erotic conversationalist. This is Bella, and this is Charlie, and, and we're, we're dancers from the legendary Scorch Strip Club in New York City, and you're listening to Alan Roger Curry. A.K.A. the king of verbal seduction, right here on The Erotic Conversationalist. Episodes of The Erotic Conversationalist are available as a downloadable MP3 file from www.mode1.net. All right, I'm going to go with my next caller, area code 310-310. You are now up front and straightforward with Alan Roger Curry. What's your question or comment? I used to date lots of women, both in high school and in college and in medical school, and people used to always ask me, you're not the best-looking guy, you're not the richest guy out there, how are you getting all these women? And essentially, the answer is actually quite simple. It's essentially having the confidence and knowing what you want to do. Oh, thank you, thank you, Master Allen. Say that again. Yes, Master Allen. Oh, say that again. <laughs> Yes, sir, Master Alan. I like that. Hey, buddy, thank you so much for having me. That is easily the nicest introduction that I've ever had. Single, lonely, confused, join me. I invite you to listen to the most informative and entertaining talk radio show on the Internet for single men and single women looking to enhance their social lives, love lives, and or sex lives. Get on the phone right now and tell one or two of your single friends to listen to Up Front and Straightforward with yours truly, Alan Roger Curry, Thursday evenings at 10 p.m. Eastern, 9 p.m. Central, and 7 p.m. on the West Coast, right here on the Blog Talk Radio, Internet Radio Network. We now return to Up Front and Straightforward with Alan Roger Curry, right here on the Blog Talk Radio, Internet Radio Network. Listeners, you know my guest for the evening from the CBS drama CSI New York, where he charms and enlightens television audiences all across the country in his role as Dr. Sheldon Hawks. My guest has also had a number of prominent roles in a wide variety of feature films, including Lackawanna Blues, Love, Sex, and Eating the Bones, Have Plenty, 
He got game, loving Jezebel, and the visit, among other many roles. He earned degrees from both Harvard Law School and Kennedy School of Government after he graduated magna cum laude from Brown University. In addition to his academic credentials and entertainment industry resume, my guest for the evening is a three-time New York Times best-selling author with such titles as Letters to a Young Brother, Manifest Your Destiny, Letters to a Young Sister, Define Your Destiny, and his latest entry is entitled The Conversation, How Black Men and Women Can Build Loving, Trusting Relationships. On behalf of Upfront and Straightforward and the Blog Talk Radio Internet Radio Network, listeners, give it up for the second time for Mr. Hill Harper. Thank you. That's That's a great introduction. Thank you so much. Oh, man, much props to you, brother, man. Hey, brother, how you doing? Man, I'm doing real well. And yourself? Good, good. I'm glad we're going to be able to get this done. I I keep hating to change things, but the schedule's just been so crazy with the shooting schedule. You just never know when they're going to call you and change the schedule, so I apologize. Oh, no, man, I understand the nature of the business. I'm really glad to have you on again because my show, Up Front and Straightforward, primarily deals with dating and relationships. And Mm -hmm. the first time I had you on, we were more so talking about, you know, raising the self-esteem of brothers and sisters and empowering them. But now you have a book out that deals right with the niche of my show. So I'm just excited. Now, you know, quick, before I get into your book, I, I just read a quick trivia comment about you that I never knew. Okay. You played the character in Have Plenty, which you had that catchy line, Love 40. Yes. Love 40. <laughs> but I didn't know you were originally slated to play the primary role. How did you know that? Oh, man, you know, I got my sources. I guess so. <laughs> yes. Um, I was originally supposed to do that, but the schedule I was shooting uh, Get on the Bus, and the schedule to get on the bus conflicted, and just the nature of the way Chris Chirot had budgeted out and the, the, the schedule out the film is that since I wasn't going to be able to be there, and that lead role was in every scene virtually in the movie, so he would either had to move the date, but I think that it was used in the situation where if he moved the date, he may lose the funding for the movie. Mm-hmm. So he had to start shooting the movie. And so, you know, this... God has wonderful ways of working, and I believe the movie was much more successful and much better in the sense that Chris played that character himself because it got a whole mystique around the film that this guy who's playing a writer in the movie wrote the movie, you know, and he's actually the guy. And so I think that the movie turned out better because of that. Um, but yeah, originally I was supposed to play the lead role. He just he wanted to just direct it. He did not want to star in it. Interesting. Listeners hear that? That's yeah. That's that's to me a very underrated film, man. I really enjoyed that. Oh, it's a great film. Beautifully written. Um, in fact, I just spoke with Chris um, today, as a matter of fact. Really? Uh, yes. Uh, and so uh, it's funny that you mention him in that film. I, I love the film Half Plenty. Wow, that's great. Now, of course, you know, anytime I have you on my show, I get inundated with emails from female listeners asking me all kinds of questions from, can they have your baby, to <laughs> I hook you up with them personally, and I, I just, man, I tell you. Um, but they, they the, the unanimous question is, since you wrote the book, mm-hmm. How Black Men and Women Can Build Loving, Trusting Relationships, my female listening audience wants to know, is Hill Harper currently in a loving, trusting relationship? Mm, that's a great question. And, you know, 
part of the, the 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 whole book, the conversation is about me talking about a relationship that I had and was going through when I was writing the book um, and getting there. Now the book ends, and when I finished writing the book, she and I were still together. Okay. At this moment, we are not together, to be quite honest. Okay. And they, remember, they know some of my female listeners just did some somersaults, but <laughs> <laughs> and remember, you know, the the book begins with me saying very plainly and clearly, uh, you know, the first line of the book is that I say I am in no way representing myself as an expert in relationships but rather as a man on a journey attempting to figure it out for myself. And that's part of what the idea of the conversation is. You know, the, the idea of the conversation exists on three levels. Mm-hmm. First, conversation with yourself and being willing to be honest and take a look in the mirror. And that's what, when I, when I say I'm a man on a journey, um, that's what I'm talking about. Looking at myself in the mirror as a single man and saying, look, given all the issues and all the things that we're dealing with in the community, Am I part of the problem? Second level, conversation with partners and potential partners. And be, again, being willing to have these honest conversations. And then the third conversation is conversation with community, greater community and family. Um, and those are the three levels of the conversation. And unless we as a community start having these and start really communicating openly and honestly across gender, then we are bearing witness to the destruction of the African-American family. And there's no way, other way I can put it. And I didn't want to stand by silently and watch that happen. Now, when you speak of the young lady you were, I'm assuming you're referring to, at least as her name was in the book, Nicole? Yes. Okay. And, uh, now, I changed her name. That's not her real name. Yeah, either. I, I, I kind of assumed that uh, you were okay. kind of, as most authors do, kind of protect uh, the identity yeah, but yeah, it was some interesting. Now you know him, man. You know I, I love you like a brother, man. But Bruh. you you broke my heart, dude. When you <laughs> dogged her at, at at the bar, man. Why did you have to go up to the bar, man? Exchange some numbers, dude. <laughs> man, I'm I'm I, part of the reason that I'm so honest in the book is that I'm asking everybody else to be honest and be vulnerable and ask themselves tough questions. And so unless I wasn't unless I was willing to do the same thing, then I shouldn't be asking the reader to do that. So I I told about what I, you know, things that I'm not proud of that I've done. And but I'm just being I'm being very real and very honest about, you know, what we do and you know there's other things I talk about in the book that we as brothers do and things that we say and techniques that we use that in many ways are BS, you know, and yeah. and and Let's be honest. This is the, that's the whole point of the book is that we all can be sending our representatives all the time, and we want people to think a certain way of us so we only reveal this much of us. But then we end up in a situation where the person doesn't really know who we are. And, and, and I'm, 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 I'm at the point where I realize from interviewing hundreds and hundreds of people and couples, people that have been together for 70 years, couples – Couples that have been multiple divorces, all these different people I interviewed, realize the only way we can really make it work is if we start being honest and stop sending the representative. And yeah, I could have sent the representative in this book and only put stuff in the book that made people think, you know, really good of me and talk about all the volunteer work I do and working with kids and helping out and sending folks to college and, you know, my foundation. But no, that's not real. That's just a part of me. There's the other parts of me that I'm not so proud of, the things that I've done that I'm not that happy with, that if I could do it over again, 
I would change. Um, so let's be honest, and there's and that's true for everybody. So that's what the conversation is. Let's have honest conversations about it, even with ourselves. Exactly. That's what we definitely need to do. I don't know if you for me. I have my own book, Mode One, which mm-hmm. emphasizes up. Well, that's where the time my show comes from. Upfront, straightforward honesty mm-hmm. uh, between the genders, particularly among single men about their romantic and sexual desires, interests, and intentions. Now, I noticed among men and women, period, particularly in the black community, both genders tend to point the finger the opposite way. Mm-hmm. Do you think one gender is more to blame for failed relationships in the black community than another, or you think that? No, it's, com- it's completely shared. I mean, you know, there's a whole chapter in my book called He Say, She Say, Who's to Blame? And, you know, I run through... From interviewing all of these different people, I run through all the different categories of things that folks say. You know, in each of these sections, I could have made 50, 60 quote, quote, different quotes, but I just chose four per section, basically. But, for instance, he say black women are always angry. He say black women have an I-don't-need-a-man attitude. He say black women are sexually repressed. He say black women use pregnancy to trap men. He say black women let themselves go. He say black women are gold diggers. He say black women always travel in packs. She say black men are lazy. She say black men are players. She say when black when a black man becomes successful, they don't want to date black women. She say black men don't take on financial responsibility. She say black men are sexist and misogynist. Listen, we have this he say she say stuff that we've gotten into where we stereotype the other gender, and we are both equally at fault. Now, oftentimes, since women amongst themselves speak about these issues many times, and this is where you know women sometimes get a little upset with me. Um, but please read the book before you judge, because there's a lot of people who I've seen say things about the book, but they haven't actually read it. Mm-hmm. So read the book, and then let me know what you have to say, um, please. But one of the issues that comes up in the book is that women, yes, speak about uh, relationships and dating more than men. There's no question about that. But the problem is they speak about it amongst themselves, and so they've gotten into a mode of passing around misinformation to themselves. And watch this. When they speak about it with men, they tend to be speaking about it with men that they have some measure of sexual negotiation with. So the information that they're actually receiving from the man is not necessarily completely all there because there's an agenda involved. So we need really honest, non-agended conversations between men and women. That's the conversation, right? And it's difficult. And the part of the problem is that women often think they have a monopoly on what makes a successful relationship. Men have just as much insight into what makes a successful, successful relationship. Now, it may not be what they, what women have come to believe makes a successful relationship, you understand? But women need to understand that men have just as many ideas about what would make a successful relationship as they do. It just may be different things, and that's okay because we don't have to have the same ideas, but we can respect what each other likes and what we're, what our proclivities are and what we're into and not judge it and then figure out where's our common ground. Everything, we're still independent people. Everything that I do, you don't have to like that I do it, and you don't even have to do it with me. But you don't have to judge me for wanting to do it or doing it, and vice versa. I don't. I don't. If you love to get your nails done, I don't have to judge you and say that's wrong or you shouldn't be spending your money on that or your time on that. I don't have to do that. No, go enjoy getting your nails done. But if I want to do something over here and that's what I enjoy, you could say the same thing about what I do, or you could decide. I could say, you know what? Um, 
I'm open to the idea. You you really enjoy getting nails done that much. Let's have a shared experience. I'll go with you. I'll get my manicure and pedicure right next to you. And lo and behold, maybe I end up enjoying it too. Or maybe I'll enjoy that foot rub they give me. Now, you never know. The idea is not to judge the activity, but to allow the person to be themselves, allow them to enjoy it, and then decide if you want to actually join in with them, not judge them, or allow them to just do it on their own and support them, or even support them by buying a couple trips to, to it. I, I use that as an example, and obviously that's an external example, and, and you know, but we can we can talk about that in many different ways. This sister, I joke with, I was on, you know, I do these town halls across the country with book signings, et cetera. Yeah, sure. And and I challenged the sister. She said, well, you know, um, the you know the, the the men I date, you know, they uh, just you know the the. the the dates aren't any good, and no one asks me out, and and I never get to go out, and, and, and nothing, and when I'm out, no one talks to me, and I say, and I said, well, how are you when you're out? And she said, what do you mean? I said, are you exactly the way you just asked the question? <laughs> and, and she, she, you know, she wasn't too happy about that. But part of the point is, is that many people don't look at themselves in the mirror and see how they act. And 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 I asked, I did a poll. I, I, you know, and this is one thing. Obviously, and folks can, if you're hearing it, this isn't the only thing I talk about. But, but I said, hey, how many how many women out there have ever walked up to a man and say, hey, um, let me buy you a shot of Patron. Are you down? You know, and. Very few, right? Because that's not what women tend to do. Women tend not to do shots, but but I, but but a lot of guys I know like to do shots, right? Mm-hmm. So guys often are put in a position where women expect them to do what they want to do, but oftentimes women don't think the same about men. Does that make sense? Yeah, <laughs> very much so. Um, you know, I use bowling as an example. You know, <laughs> I'm about to get in trouble. You get me in trouble on your show. Get in trouble, trouble. Man. You know get that in trouble here. I bowling is there. I, I say there's a lot of sisters I know. You know, I'm, you know, they say, what do you want to do? I say, you know, we can go bowling or go to the movies. I say, okay, tell me this. How many times, how many brothers you know go up to other brothers and say to them, hey, brother, you want to go to the, want to go bowling or go to the movies? <laughs> And I said, so what makes you think a guy really wants to do that, right? Why don't you look at what he does with his friends, his guy friends, and that will give you a sense of what he enjoys. True. What's he do? He'll go to the sports bar, watch a game. So the next time you want to, you know, why don't you go and say, hey, let's go to the sports bar, get some beers, watch a game, see what happens. He'll be like, absolutely, I like you, right? <laughs> and the point is, is that, it's the idea of being open and honest and looking at each other in a more open and honest way. And the same holds true vice versa. Brothers, there's a lot of women that love to go get massages and things. You don't have to fit, you, you, can, you don't have to send them away to do that on their own. Why can't you make that a shared experience with them? Why can't you go up and say, baby, I know you love, excuse me, I know you love massages and whatever. I know you said that's something you enjoy. Let's go someday. You get a massage and I'll get one. We'll end up talking in the little common room. I mean, these are things that we can do together and have shared experiences because ultimately that's what relationships are, are shared experiences. And we as black men and black women are not having enough of them. We're not having enough shared experiences. And so it's not so clear that we're even friends anymore. 
Oh, I've I've definitely seen evidence of that. I know in Chicago, um, I don't know if they do this in other cities. They have these things called these events called relationship chats, and I've attended a few, and it's just brothers and sisters. The idea is for them to vent about their disappointments, their criticisms, their frustration, but it ends up a lot of times just going into just a bashing session. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, so there, I feel like there's just this heightened sense of animosity um, mm-hmm. now today. Now, now, one question I kind of want to ask, you, you mentioned that I'm sure you've gotten, you know, much praise on the book, but as you mentioned or alluded to, that you've had some people, I guess, offer criticisms that didn't thoroughly read the book. And the well, they didn't read the book at all. <laughs> not even thoroughly, because if you actually begin at the beginning, you realize m- most of the people say, well, Hill's a single guy. How can he write a book on relationships? And they're used to most 99% of all relationship books, which are, pe- are so-called people who are so-called experts basically writing to women telling women what they should do to, quote-unquote, catch a man. Mm-hmm. And what this book is, is, first of all, it's written for both men and women, which automatically makes it different. This is, book isn't just written for women. And secondly, it's me saying, no, 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 I'm not a relationship expert. I'm trying to figure it out. So what I did was I went out and interviewed all these different people, and then all this information started to come up. I, th- I didn't know I was even going to call it the conversation until I realized that's what, we're not having. We're not having open and honest communication. And unless we start doing it, it won't solve it. So a lot of the stuff that comes up, the the attempt of this book is is an attempt to 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 pull up the roots, dig up the roots in terms of relationship, and as a, and from a single man's perspective, because remember, and you'll know this since you know your mode one and all this, we as single brothers, and this is something folks don't talk about enough in my opinion, we as single brothers are always skeptical of married men. Why? Because we feel like just, you know, in many ways they're trying to just recruit us to fall into the same camp. They, you know, they they're they're on <laughs> lockdown. So they're trying to re- recruit us. So if a, for a single brother to hear me talk about the value of relationship, to me that that's more powerful than him hearing that from a married man, if you understand what I'm saying. Oh yeah. And another thing that doesn't happen to single men is that Married men, I believe, don't talk enough about the good aspects of marriage and partnership. And I wanted to talk about that from a single man's perspective in the book. Meaning, we hear from brothers who are unhappy in relationships all the time, right? But it's not so cool for a married brother who's happy to walk up like we're playing ball. How's it going, man? Oh, man, my wife made me so happy. You know, you don't hear that, right? That's not like the cool thing to say. So married brothers who are happy, which is the majority of married men that I interviewed, are happier by and large. I mean, it's very, it's hard, you know, it's hard to quantify and measure happiness, but just based off the way I did it in terms of my very, you know, my my long list of questions, you could rate people's overall happiness, and you even ask them to rate their overall happiness themselves. And married men were by and large happier than the unmarried men, right? But they didn't talk about it. Why do you think that is? I think, um, for whatever reason, um, since brothers who are unha- the, the unhappily married brothers talk about it so much, it's almost cooler to talk about how your wife's on your back in, in, in groups of men to sort of like show your manhood, you know. 
Um, it, 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 yeah, my wife's riding me all the time, but, you know, I'm doing my own thing, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. Rather than actually talking about the virtual partnership, we haven't gotten to that place uh, where, you know, brothers are being more vocal about it. And, and, there's a, and I think that we need to have brothers who are happily married to be more vocal amongst single men because when I ask the single men, um, do you think that married men are happier or more un, are by and large more unhappy or happy? Singled men said unhappy because they hear more from the unhappily married cats because they're louder. But the, the data does not bear that out, particularly in our community. So there's a lot of misinformation out there, and that's why in many ways it's better to, that I think that single brothers hear from a single brother, if you understand what I'm saying. Well, listeners, um, I'm going to be taking calls. All throughout the evening um, for your questions, your comments about both Hill's book and the state of black relationships. Matter of fact, uh, right now I get area code 614, area code 614 from Columbus. You're now up front and straightforward with Alan Roger Curry. What's your question and or comment either about Hill Harper's book or the state of black relationships? Well, I think his book would be quite impressive and interesting to read, so I'll probably order it. But my question is, why is it that men tell women what they think they want to hear? What they think they want to hear? Yes, and then when they've been in a not-so-good relationship, when they date the next woman, it's like a lack of trust. Okay, well, give me a specific example. What's your first name? Crystal. Crystal, give me a specific example of something a guy said to you that was what you, he, what you feel he was just telling you because he thought you wanted to hear it. Well, I just got rid of my ex-boyfriend probably about three weeks ago after three years. He still has this distrust of women because his ex-wife cheated on him. Mm-hmm. So that doesn't work too well when it carries into a relationship, especially when he tries to compare me to her. And I said, well, if she was so perfect, why aren't you still with her? Valid, valid. Yeah, he doesn't, sounds to me, I don't know the, I don't know the guy, but sounds to me, now, he doesn't really need to be in a relationship. Number one, if he's constantly comparing you to another woman, then that, that that's a problem. <laughs> well, that's what I said. And I told him he can't compare me to her because I've worked and gone to school. I have three college degrees. I'm working on my master's. I help my daughter. She just started college. I have a new job, and I like to do things, and I'm an extrovert, and he's an introvert. So that was the other clash. Okay, okay. He would tell me there's things he likes to do, but he doesn't like to do anything. He doesn't even like to be around too many people. Now, well, I don't want to get too much specifically into just your situation, but do you think his behavior is representative of a lot of black men in today's dating scene? If they've been hurt in the past, somewhat, yes. Okay. 
okay, and give me one piece of advice from Crystal on how you think dating relationships can be improved between black men and black women. Open lines of communication and honesty. Okay. Now, why do you think, because everybody says that, almost every relationship expert I have, including Mr. Harper, emphasizes open, honest communication. My book is about upfront, straightforward communication. Why do you think so many people fail in the area of, of open, honest communication? That I don't have an answer to because I even had one gentleman lie to me about his name, and eventually I knew I was going to find out he was lying. Man, and who, why would who lies I, about their name? That's, that's just, what I'm saying. I said that's just that's crazy to me. <laughs> that's cr- I had another woman. I got a good friend, and she told me about a guy who she met that she's still fairly cool with that lied about it. What well, brothers? I got to dog you out on that. If you just there's one thing to just lie, period. But lying about your name, unless you're working for the CIA, there is no valid reason for you to be lying about your name. I mean, goodness gracious. But, hey, Crystal, I'll move on with the conversation. Listeners, I invite you throughout the evening to call in and contribute your thoughts, your questions, your comments about the conversation. What are your thoughts on the state of the dating relationships between black men and black women? And uh, right now, I'm going to continue my conversation with actor and author Hill Harper. I want to ask you, since it is geared towards African-American men, some people argue that dating challenges, dating problems are kind of universal regardless of race. Yes. you you highlighted a statistic in your book where we have such a low percentage of sons and daughters being brought up in the two households. Yeah, to make that clear, y'all check this out. Eighty in in 1966, just about 40 years ago, 84 percent of African American children were being raised in two parent households. Fast forward 40 years later to 2006, that number has plummeted to 31 percent. Now many people would say, oh, that's just a sign of the times. Folks aren't getting married as much, no matter what distinct ethnic group. But that's not the case because in 2006, that same data point, um, a child being raised in a two-parent household for Asian Americans was 86%, for white Americans, 79%, and for Latino Americans, 69%. For African Americans, 31%. We weren't even half of the other lowest number. You understand? So something is going on with us. And what makes it worse is even when we do decide to get married, we have the highest divorce rate. So we're we're getting married less, and even when we do, our divorce rate is higher, and 70% of black professional women are single. If those three data points don't knock you off your chair, if they don't make you say something's going on with us, and we're not, and we need to figure this out, then, then I mean, that's why I wrote the book. We need to figure it out. And... All of us, any man listening right now, ask yourself, what do you want your family to look like? What do you want your community to look like? What do you want? Are you connected? Are you in a relationship? Are you respecting and treating and dealing with the women in your life in a respectful manner? And and the brothers that you witness who are not doing it right, are you being silent and therefore complicit in their behavior? Or are you asking them to step up and man up? And then the women can ask themselves the same questions about 
um, are they bringing their whole self to the table, or or are they in a in a, in a mindset or in a way that they listen to their girlfriends and projections from other people so much that they've decided that there are no good men out there and they're only looking for a, a very small sliver, looking at a small sliver of men, and therefore able to say, oh yeah, yeah, it's not me, it's them. Good point. Now, just off the top of your head, based on say your conversations and your research, what would be say one or two factors that you think brothers want and sisters want that we're not getting that the average say Caucasian single or Asian single or Hispanic single is getting? Ooh, you know, I don't want to answer th that question that way because I don't want to say that that it is. Um, we're not doing this, but someone else is doing it in terms of race. What what I want to do is focus on in terms of race, the differences about our different experiences and how we got here. And then now, how we got here, we we, we can analyze how it happened. What are we going to do about it moving forward? Okay. Because it's not really to me about what someone else is doing. It's it's the fact that. We're at a point now where we don't see those examples in the house, and therefore we're just almost subconsciously following the the, the, the it's, it's almost become a norm amongst young people in our community that and it is the norm statistically speaking that there's not a father in the house as if that's normalcy you know so it's not about what they're doing versus what we're doing it's about where we've come now. We can talk about some of the factors. I talk about them in the book. You know, there was the man in the house rule, which is a welfare rule that encouraged men to move out um, if you wanted to receive welfare for your children. You know, the end of the Vietnam War and brothers coming back with post-traumatic stress or the, the lack of the fact that we as a community tend to not seek out help, mental health issues and, and mentorship and, and, and help and different things, particularly even in coupling. Um, we don't go to the, the relationship therapist as much Another or to the pastor as much as we we could and should to help stay together and do the work that's necessary. Another, the introduction of crack cocaine into our communities. That's a big one. You know, it, it really tracks and follows the same type of timeline of the destruction of families. Another another fact is that ending the industrial age, moving from more of industrial-based workforce to more of a service and corporate-oriented workforce, the, the individuals that were doing the hiring of those co corporations were mostly males of the majority. And in many ways, if you look who they hired, they felt more comfortable hiring black women to fulfill those jobs and those positions cause, and work closely with them than they felt hiring black males. And so there are a lot of different things we can point to as reasons of how we got there. But now that we're here, what are we going to do about it? How are we going to change? And what do we need to do to, to, to make the difference? And I believe it starts with the conversation. Listeners. If you want to contribute your questions and thoughts to this conversation, you can call in 646-478-5710-646. I'm putting it in the chat room now, 478-5710. Here's some questions I want you to kind of marinate on and hopefully address as the show goes on. Um, is the appeal of marriage diminishing for many, and particularly for many in the African community, African American community, do you think marriage is losing its appeal? That's one question to marinate on. Another question: Are many college-educated, middle-class black women still single because there are not enough qualified black men to date them, 
or are they just too nitpicky? Another question to marinate on. Do single black men and single black women offer too many invalid and unnecessarily harsh generalizations of each other too much and express too many unfairly harsh stereotypes of one another, such as all black men are dolls and all black women have angry attitudes? Marinate on that. I want some answers. And one more question to marinate on. How will society be when all these single brothers and sisters in their 30s, 40s, and 50s are single single senior citizens in their 60s, 70s, and 80s? Something to marinate on. I'm about to take an intermission break, but Alan Roger Curry will be right back with more knowledge and wisdom from Hill Harper. Don't go anywhere. Hey, I'm Dangerously. And you may have read my short story, Till Death Do Us Part, in the New York Times best-selling anthology, Succulent, Chocolate Flavor 2, presented by Zane. Well, things get even hotter between the pages of Keep Your Panties Up and Your Skirt Down. Check it out at PantiesUpSkirtDown.com. And remember, keep it dangerous. What's up, folks? This is Alan Rancher Curry of Upfront and Straightforward and Mode One fame. And if you're a music lover, I urge you to listen to Madison Media Radio. It's not just music, but it is music with a purpose. Right here on the Blog Talk Radio, Internet Radio Network. No one. Do you think that guys, to one degree or another, have to play the role of the bad boy to attract women, or they just need to remain who they are and just, you know, be patient? No, they need to combine their game. They need to go in with an attitude that I'm going to be a gentleman, but I'm also letting you know that I'm attracted to you. You know, I want to kiss you. I want to hold you. I want to, you know, I want to take you out. I want to date you. You know, if you think I want to get in your pants, you're probably right. But at the same time, I like you. I like you. I want to see you. You know, there's more single women than married women in the United States. Oh, yeah. Okay. It's only 51%. Yeah. There's more what? There's more single women than married women in the United States right now. First time ever in history. Mindset is correct. Somewhere there's a woman that's that's balanced, that's God focused. That you know she gives because she wants to give, not because she's trying to hook somebody with her giving. But she values herself. She recognizes her good qualities, acknowledges her bad qualities, and this is the person that's balanced and ready to be in a healthy relationship. Thank you. 
dear listeners, now there's a letter in my first book, Letters to a Young Brother Manifest Your Destiny. It's called Finding Your Swagger. In fact, I, you know, it's so funny. I just got a letter from a young brother that he read my book and it's changed his life. And he also put it in there. He said, and you know what? I found my swagger and now all the girls like me like you said they would. <laughs> <laughs> I was I was so tickled by that. Yeah. Oh man, you gotta love it. Single, lonely, confused, join. I invite you to listen to the most informative and entertaining talk radio show on the internet for single men and single women looking to enhance their social lives, love lives, and or sex lives. Get on the phone right now and tell one or two of your single friends to listen to Upfront and Straightforward with yours truly, Alan Roger Curry, Thursday evenings at 10 p.m. Eastern, 9 p.m. Central, and 7 p.m. on the West Coast, right here on the Blog Talk Radio, Internet Radio Network. We now return to my open discussion about Hill Harper's best-selling book, The Conversation on Upfront and Straightforward with Alan Roger Curry, right here on the Blog Talk Radio, Internet Radio Network. Welcome back, welcome back to the second hour of Upfront and Straightforward with Alan Roger Curry. I've been interviewing a special guest for the second time. I had him on my show in June of last year. He's on CSI New York that comes on Wednesdays on CBS, and he's also a three-time New York Times best-selling author, and that is Hill Harper. He has books out, Letters to a Young Brother, Manifest Your Destiny, Letters to a Young Sister, Define Your Destiny, and his latest book is called The Conversation how black men and women can build loving, trusting relationships. And he has a bunch of questions in the back that he wants people to use to facilitate their own conversation. And that's what I'm doing tonight. I've come up with some of my own questions, but also probably going to use as the show goes on, I'm going to go another probably 75, 90 minutes. And I'm going to be incorporating different questions, both of my own and from his book, into this conversation. He has different conversations that fall into different categories. He has questions that fall under one category, a look in the mirror, where he asks you to ask yourself questions that have to do exactly with yourself. Nobody else but you. What are you contributing to relationships? Where do you lack? Second category is just simply called relationships. You know, it asks questions such as, what kind of people have you dated and why? How do you feel about your relationship history? What have you learned from your experiences? Um, he has a question called love. I mean, a category called love. And he has a number of questions such as, what lets you know you're loved? How do you show love? What is your definition of love? He has questions about marriage. Um, what do you think it means to have a successful marriage? Um 
He has questions about sex. He has questions about kids, money, exes, cheating, faith. What is your religious and spiritual background? Um, so, yeah, he has a number of good questions in here, and I want to get as much feedback from my audience. I'm going to go to the phone lines in a few minutes, but before I do, I want to go in to another segment with Hill Harper's The Conversation. Hmm. Now, I like the fact that you, in one of your chapters, again, given the title of my show, Upfront and Straightforward, you, you kind of express your thoughts on the ineffectiveness of indirect, beat-around-the-bush communication, dropping hints. So would I be correct in saying that Hill Harper believes that everyone should be upfront and straightforward with one another? Yes, we should be upfront and straightforward, but for some, somehow in our community, oftentimes folks think that being upfront and straightforward means being serious and somewhat harsh and direct. Mm-hmm. And that's not what I'm saying at all. The, you know, I'm fighting mostly the fight of find how to live, love, and laugh. And if you're not laughing, and you know, you can be just as straightforward from smiling and laughing and enjoying the moment as you can as you can being serious. And what I mean by that is, there's a chapter in the book called uh, "The Unbearable Lightness of Being," and I'm not talking about race. I'm talking about the way you walk through life. And I give some examples. And so, folks should should check that chapter out. Um, I've had many women write me emails telling me that that chapter. Has, that chapter in and of itself has changed the way, had made, has made them look at themselves differently um, because they found that they were being heavy when they went out on dates and things like that. And I'm almost a posture of, you know, I'm not going to let my guard down or be light until you prove to me that I'm safe being light rather than saying this is who I really am. Um, and I ask women to look at themselves. How do they act around their girlfriends that's different than how they act around men that they go out on dates with. Um, so there's a way to take a look at that uh, in that context. Okay. Now, would you say there's, is there anything more important than honesty, trust, and communication in a relationship? Um, I would just add some things. There are things that are just as important. Equally important, okay. Laughter, kindness, character, fun. You know, when folks talk about relationships, one thing I found in doing my research, they don't talk about F-U-N enough because the the relationships that I found that were most successful by far of the research I did, Mm -hmm. there was a common thread of fun that exists in the relationship. But you you watch all these Oprah shows and all these different things, and no one ever just talks about the sheer fun. How do you keep fun in a relationship? What do you do to make it fun? And you keep fun in a relationship, it increases the likelihood that you'll be together hugely. I noticed in your observation of the older couples in your book, you noticed that they, they shared a lot of laughs together. And it seemed like you were saying that that's an integral in, in maintaining a mm-hmm. successful mm-hmm. Think about a lot of the way that our parents and grandparents' generation, not our parents so much, but I'd say even more so our grandparents' generation interacted. Think about how many activities they did together that were just fun-based activities. My grandparents played bid whist. They'd invite people over. They'd be drinking, playing bid whist. They'd do things together that were just about creating fun. Mm-hmm. You know, we have gotten away from that. We've gotten away from that. And, you know, they play spades. 
they do they do they do different things, and they wouldn't judge it, and it wouldn't be for any other reason but to enjoy a shared experience as couples. Exactly. You know, in other words, if you weren't even a couple, if you didn't have somebody with you, you couldn't even come and play because you needed a partner. Yeah. They play bridge, bid with space, and I'm not just talking about card games. I'm just using those as examples. Hmm. And that those types of activities are essential. We call them shared experiences that are based out of fun and joy. And, you know, we seem to make shared experiences so serious or we're relying on other people to give us the experience, like go to the movies. Yeah. You know, that means the movie has to give us the experience. That's so if it's, a, if it's a bad movie... <laughs> Then it was just us hanging out silently for two and a half hours watching a bad movie. Right? Exactly. So you can go, shoot, you can come to L.A. and go to any park on the weekends, and those parks are packed, but they're not packed with us. They're not packed with us. And if going to the park, doing a little barbecue, doesn't cost any money. But they're packed with um, a big percentage of the, the, the Los Angeles population, with, which are um, Latino families that really take family seriously in a way and understand the joy of that shared ex- community family experience. And they go and they're playing soccer, they're drinking beer, they're having barbecues. These are shared experiences. And we need to talk about why we're not having those. Now there's been a saying for years that 80% of the single women in society will frequently compete for the attention and companionship of roughly 20% of the single men and vice versa. But I, I call it the 595 rule. I was going to say, when your sports bar, bar buddy Tyrone said 95% of the single women compete for 5%. Well, mm-hmm. What do you think of that assessment? Absolutely true. But I would, I would venture to say it's not just women, too. Let's be honest. 95% of the brothers are trying to date 5% of the sisters, too. So it's both sides. Both of us are trying to do it. Now, how we fit people into those 5% categories between men and women tends to be different now, but it's still real. And that allows us to start justifying the idea that there's a numbers problem, there's a numbers issue. You know, because classically speaking, when I was doing the research, I'd hear a lot of brothers tell me, well, I just can't meet that one woman I'm ready to commit to. I can't meet that one woman I really want to commit to, so I'm just dating. It's a, and, and almost it's about that. I can't find her, right? that 5%, right? Now, he'd be willing to commit to Halle Berry, but that brother's not dating Halle Berry, and he's not going to date Halle Berry, right? Mm -hmm. So it's easy for him to create a justification of, well, I'm just going to continue to date, but I'm really only going to commit when I commit to that that, that small sliver that I think is quote-unquote worthy, right? And sisters are doing the same thing, but how they come up with their worthiness quotient is different than what brothers do. Okay, I'm going to go to the phone lines and see what people are thinking because tonight we're having our own conversation. We're having a conversation about the conversation. Now, we, I want to discuss things, either things related to the points in his book and or just the state of, of dating relationships between black men and black women. And I'm going to start with a familiar area code. Area code two one nine two one nine and I believe this is my Broham and Ace confidant. Stephen Curry. Stephen Curry, what what's your general thoughts on what you've heard Hill say so far? And what are some of your thoughts on what contributes to a great relationship, particularly a great relationship between a black man and a black woman? 
Uh, well, first of all, Alan, I'd like to congratulate you on a brilliant mixing of a previously recorded interview and then allowing uh, live callers to uh, call in and participate. Well, thank you, bro. For the uh, techn- technological aspect, uh, brilliant stuff. Uh, I just wanted to say the thing that impressed me and my wife and I were listening here is that he said that most of the men he interviewed, the men who were married were happier than the men who were not married. And that really struck me because uh, anytime somebody asks me how's my marriage going, I say uh, super love it, super love it, super love it. And they give me a look like, you know, what's wrong with this guy? And, uh, you know, I haven't been in that situation yet where – you know, I'm sitting there saying, yeah, she makes me do this. She makes me uh, go get the milk, uh, go get the orange juice. Uh, you know, she's always nagging. You know, I don't know. I don't, I don't know too many guys where that happens. <laughs> um, what struck me, though, is, um, is if he is right, that means guys like me, before I got married, I was listening to those knuckleheads. Yeah, man, marriage is rough, man. You don't know if you want to get married now, man. You know, you might want to stay single, man. Like when you meet some brothers, they always say, uh, so how's it going, man? You married? You know, you this, you that. And then uh, if you say you're still single, man, God bless you, man. Stay single. (laughs) (laughs) They're not in divorce. So they must be happy, but they got to put it on macho front. Yeah. I would say the only thing that marriage introduces you to that you might have never understood is the Lifetime Channel. I never knew what the Lifetime Channel was. <laughs> <laughs> thought it was just CNN, CNN MSNBC. <laughs> so you've been indoctrinated to the Lifetime Channel. Oh. <laughs> uh. You got to get used to those promos, man. They had the same promos, like, every day. Next, a nanny has an affair. (laughs) 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 Ah, that's good stuff. Always crazy. Somebody's (laughs) always crazy in the movies. Uh, Movie is a... Does your loving wife have anything to say about the Lifetime Channel? Nothing that I can say on the air. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Listeners, when you heard my sister-in-law's voice, you've just heard the voice of the biggest Tyler Perry fan in history, the history of life. But uh, as you were saying, Stephen. Yeah, I was just saying, uh, yeah, I was struck by that I find myself, uh, now that I'm married, uh, much, much uh, happier and emotionally stable than I've ever been. So I would say uh, I'm all for marriage, and I'm all for all the things that uh, Mr. Harper said as far as just being honest and having fun and laughing, and uh, especially if you have uh, any type of spiritual foundation to build on in, in a relationship and uh That'll get you through anything. So, uh, yeah, I would say uh, the marriage life is a happy life. And if you hear somebody say something negative about marriage, but yet they're still married and they're still going home and they've still been married for double-digit years, then they're just just fronting. You know, the the, the real deal is uh, it's, it's, it's a great thing.
and, uh, and totally enjoying the interview so far. Well, thank you, big bro. I uh, appreciate you calling in and contributing your thoughts. That's my bro-ham, Stephen Curry. Uh, that's where I gain a lot of my advice and wisdom from. I'm going to go with area code 317. Area code 317. You're now up front and straightforward with Alan Roger Curry. I think I know who this is. Ronan, what's your thoughts on the state? Uh, black relationships. What's your comments, questions, whatever? Um, I'm seeing quite a few rifts in the uh, between black men and black women. Uh, and and why do you think that is? Well, honestly, uh, there's some very uh, disparaging differences between grown men and women, and these grown children making adult decisions, and uh, the latter is overpopulating our neighborhoods and communities. And uh, the thing is, like, um, we have individuals who always talk about they want the truth, but then when you tell them, uh, you get individuals that either hear what they want to hear or they cling to this uh, Barbie playhouse fantasy. And okay, you, you're going to have to define that for our listeners. People might not know what you mean by that. What, what do you mean when okay. you say a Barbie fantasy? Well, there's an individual when it comes to a relationship. Uh, number one, you're not supposed to bring baggage into a relationship. Otherwise, you will not have room to be with that person. Um, when, I, when I talk about this whole Barbie playhouse thing, it's usually a list of things this individual has to meet, a criteria checklist. And in most cases, um, it, it's just not realistic. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh I, I just tell individuals, I mean, they're looking for the, all the tangible stuff instead of the intangibles that will put you through in a relationship because when you're in a relationship, you will always be tested in so many ways. And for people who honestly believe that they have the uh, platinum punani, I have to ask them why they live in cubic zirconium lives. <laughs> oh, man, I... Sisters, that was a strong statement by my boy Ronan. You because, said, uh, think I, you got well, platinum punani. Why are you entertaining cubic zirconium well, lies? Well, well, here's the thing. It's like I often, often hear this nonsense about uh, I'm strong and independent, but it becomes a complete contradiction where you can't even control your own emotions or nor yourselves in most cases. Mm-hmm. Um, I've always hear individuals talking about I, I don't need a man or – you know, I, I don't need a woman or something like that. But really, you can never put a price on substance. I mean, whatever happened to, you know, the power of peace and reciprocity? You know, uh, we're actually y'all actually been uh, more assets to each other than just bickering liabilities. And then the ones that love drama, those are the ones who are sorely lacking in substance. Because when you have peace and build each other up, especially when you're around someone with, that has uh, – a matter of substance, and really build, tells, uh, present themselves in an asset, there's never enough time in the world to spend with them. Mm-hmm. It's just the individuals that don't have that substance. There's just too much time, and you can't wait for them to leave. Mm-hmm. So, unless you feel like there's a lot of women out here, and I want to say particularly sisters, that just don't have enough substance to offer. Uh, that, well, that's my problem with the whole... Uh, I'm a good man, I'm a good woman type deal. It's not talked about, it's shown. And in most cases, 
if people really paid attention to what they're getting into, they're going to see through actions, and they're going to match up with what people are saying. And, yeah, everyone sends their representative and puts up a good front, but when they're tested, you see the real them. And in most cases, that mask falls off, and you see an ugly monster from behind it. Okay, well, I'm a, I got to move on, but thanks a lot for your thoughts, Ronan. Uh, much appreciated. And, uh, sisters, if you want to offer a rebuttal to some of the things he said, I invite you to call in 646-478-5710. Um, I see area code 302, 302, you know, up and straightforward with Alan Roger Curry. What's your comments or general thoughts about the state of dating relationships between black men and black women today? Um, well, Alan Roger, this is Neek the Love Coach. Um, first oh, hey, of all, I'm so. definitely, I'm wonderful, definitely enjoying your show. My entire, I'm a mental health therapist and relationship coach, and my entire practice is revolving around these issues that you're talking about tonight. So I definitely have a couple of points to bring out there. Um, in addition to what I do with the private practice, I also, um, I also counsel inmates. Mm -hmm. And when we're talking about the state of relationships with black women and black men, it is no more prevalent to me than when I go to work in the evening and I deal with uh, men who are scared when they come home um, about what they're actually going to expect. I think a lot of it goes off of we've allowed our culture, uh, media, to define our roles instead of our community to define our roles. Um, and I think a lot of times women, especially the brother earlier said, you know, the the woman with the platinum punani, I think sometimes um, we confuse as women, we confuse being independent and being self-sufficient. Um, our, our nature is to be human. Our nature as human beings is to socialize, is to love. And I think sometimes between black women and black men, we have, we've been so caught up into what we see um, that that society is telling us that we do, that we forgot how to interact with ourselves. And honestly, I concentrate on the how-tos because people don't. You tell them how to communicate, they don't, they don't know how to fight fair. They don't know how to explain what they actually want to explain, what they actually want to get out. So I think a lot of it really goes back to some basic skills in, as far as how to talk to each other, you know, how to, how to be vulnerable. Some people don't want to be humble enough to be vulnerable in relationships and give that person um, a chance. And when we talk about expect, there's one thing to have expectations and another thing to have um, standards. And, and standards to me are something that's a little superficial when we're talking about he has to have the good credit, the good car, da 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 da. Instead of just instead of just wanting to be with a brother who's willing to work hard to provide for his family. And when times are rough, we're in a recession that you're able to carry him to go far enough. It's about holding everybody responsible in their relationships. Um, you know. We we should be able to love each other, you know, um, and it just blows my mind that, you know, I'm so glad for your conversation and the conversation with Hill Harbor because this is exactly the way we should be going to heal ourselves and to heal our families and to heal our children. And, and really a lot of our children don't know how because we don't know how. So we really need to start taking responsibility for our own health relationships and our own love lives and, and give it the way we, we want to, to receive it. Wow, that was great feedback. <laughs> Thank very you. Very much appreciate your call. Is very much appreciated, um, listeners. If you want to call in and, and give me your own feedback, you can call in six four six four seven eight 
5710-646-478-5710. Now my conversation with Hill Harper will continue. That's all valid points, all valid points. Now, I would think <laughs> from the generalized here, the conservative Christians that, that read your book, did you get any blowback for suggesting that it's okay to watch porn as long as you keep it in the right perspective? Folks, listen, <laughs> I'm not dealing with that question on the radio. <laughs> Folks need to read the book because everything in the book is contextualized and stuff on the radio and interviews can be taken way out of context. I'm very proud of the book that just like my other books that I've gone to many different churches and many different pastors have had me up speaking about the book. Um, because it, it, if you really want to talk about the, what is the overarching theme of the book, the overarching theme of the book is the celebration of partnership and the idea that none of us can get to where we need to go. As good as we may be and as great as we may, the life we may have already, the best version of ourselves are going to be in partnership. And that's a very powerful message coming from a single brother. Um, and and that, that celebration of that message is important, and I think that that's what most pastors are going for, the idea of, Let's let's get folks together and partner and marry. And so there are elements of the book where I talk very honestly about all sorts of things, things that are real-life issues. And since I'm not a pastor, I can talk about this stuff, but I don't want to talk about it out of context. I, I, I got you. I got you. Now, what you just said ties into my next time. I love your, your, your chapter on the theme of honoring potential because you essentially saying, I'm paraphrasing, of course, that, you know, it's easy for sisters now to say, yeah, I would love to have a man like Barack Obama, who was your classmate in Harvard Law School. But you basically asked how many of them sisters would be willing to be with him when he was driving that car with the big hole in the floor. Right. And, like, like I'm actually dating a young lady right now. Oh, I love the fact that she she told me she wanted to just upgrade me, and that gave me goosebumps. <laughs> I was feeling that kind of as opposed to you know a sister expecting you to already be at the top of the mountain when she gets to you. But uh, just elaborate for my listeners that whole theme of women and men as well honoring the potential of someone. Right. There's a difference between dating status and potential, and so often in this you know, material world we're living in, we're told in subtle messages and in not-so-subtle ways that we should only date status or, and for instance, when I was interviewing sisters, I would hear things, and I'm sure you've heard this before, you know, who do you want to date? Well, I want to date someone on my level, okay? But how do you, you know, when you really be, let's be really honest and have the conversation, how do you define on your level? And what elements go into that definition? So there's some things I talk about in the book that are very surprising. I use the Obamas as a case study. And the vast majority of people that I interviewed, like you said, I mean, they didn't know I was specifically referring. I gave them the scenario. I've known them both for 20 years now. So I gave them the scenario of how they came together and kind of the profile of the, the two people and the positions that they were relatively in. And the vast majority would take a pass on having dated a future president. And, and even beyond that, even in marriage, you know, she was the primary breadwinner in the family for the first several years of the marriage. So let's be honest. You know, there's an idea. And, again, she didn't attempt to change him and say, you know what, you, could, you know, I've been making the money primarily in this family for two years, and now it's time for you to get a job and stop trying to write a book. You know, there's the, these things that we have to understand of the idea of dating potential. And each person 
making each other better. Because I, as, as smart as both of them are and as great as both of them are, and this kind of speaks to the point I was just making, is that there's no question in my mind, having known them as long as I have, that he would not be where he is but for his partnership with her, and she would not be where she is but for her partnership with him. Now, they both would be doing quite well. She'd be a partner at a law firm and have a nice house and all that, but she would not be um, in living in the White House, let's be clear. And he wouldn't either. Um, he'd be a great professor at University of Chicago or, you know, uh, maybe a congressman or you know something to that effect, and he'd be doing well, a uh, successful lawyer, because he's smart and he was going to do well. But it's the partnership that allowed them to reach their highest height, and that's what I'm talking about. If if brothers would really realize the value of partnering, and if sisters really understood the value and how to and how to look at a potential mate and partner and how to bring your full, joyful, beautiful, incredible self without judgment and without layers to the party and brothers the same. We could we could we could turn around that statistic very quickly and see transformative change in so many areas because partnering and the lack thereof in our community affects so many things that nobody wants to talk about. I talk about it in my book. It affects our cross generational wealth building. Right, the fact that we have so many singles, it's harder to build real wealth when you're single. Period. All the data points show married folks build more wealth. That's just reality. Now, it all, and, and look, the stress factors. What's the number one thing people argue with? Money. Stress factors about carrying more debt. F folks who are single tend to carry more debt than folks who are married. Um, number one thing that, that that affects the health in the black community: high blood pressure, heart disease. All diabetes, stress-related illnesses, okay, money, stress, wealth building, stress relationships, stress, all this stuff is interconnected. And I believe a lot of the things will be solved through partnership. Now, you know what, I, I you talked about comedian Chris Rock's comment that, um, and I've heard it many times from different brothers and sisters about how many how men are only as faithful faithful as their options and opportunities for female companionship. Now, specifically with you, for example, I would think it would be challenging for you being a handsome, intelligent, articulate male celebrity. You know, you, you, I'm sure you got the women just throwing themselves at you. How, how can you even develop the motivation to to resist all these these women just throwing you rhythm? I mean, and I'm going to segue from that into this bullets thing that I just loved you talked about. Speak on that, being the because you're not like the normal brother. You are in the limelight. you got options thrown your way. So what do you say to the guys who have all these options that say, man, I just got too many options? Well, clearly it's about what is your greater goal and what do you want your life to look like? And if you want to go for what I call the, you know, we can put it in, in, in money terms or investment terms or even in poker terms. If you want to go for the short money and you want to win a hand or do you want to win the tournament? You know, I talk about, uh, you know, brothers rapping about uh, credit cards they carry or they got the black card. I say, you want to rap about carrying the black card or do you want to talk about Ken Chenault, the CEO of American Express, a black man graduate of Harvard Law School, who's the chairman and CEO of the company. So do you want to own the company that makes the credit card, or do you want to just brag about carrying the car? The, 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 it's, 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 how, it's what you want your life to look like, and then you make choices that are commensurate with that. You stay on purpose. Now, is it easy to, to stay on purpose, on your purpose? No, it's not all the time. We all fall off. We all make mistakes and do things that we perhaps wouldn't do. But 
If you decide that there's something bigger that you want out of your life, but you keep making the same pedestrian choices that you've always made in your life and those around you are making, um, have made, and you surround yourself by individuals that are making those choices, then, then it's short, short term. You know, it's just like when I speak to young brothers who are incarcerated and with letters to a young brother. It's the same, same type of, same type of thing. You know, listen, you can, you, you can make the short money. And I explain to them how short their money is when they do that because I break it down to young brothers who are incarcerated how they went for what they saw to be quick money. But if you added up all the time they spent actually working for that money and also through the system, they on average were making five to ten cents an hour, right? They did not make good money choices, no good value choices. And those choices are the same thing in terms of relationship. If you want something big and great and how great it can be, then you make a different set of choices. But also don't judge yourself for what you want. If you like something, you like it. And you can have an open and honest com communication with your partner or potential partners about that, and they may like the same thing. So you don't even know. Mm -hmm. I mean, that kind of leads back to your pastoral comment. You know, I mean, you know, listen, you can decide to structure your relationship with your partner and do things that you both may enjoy, but folks spend so much time sending a representative. Uh, there are people I interviewed who had been married for, this brother had been married for three years, and he found out, he basically said, you know, my wife and I realized we didn't even know each other even after three years of marriage. Wow. So, in other words, you're not so different. You know, you know, don't think that women don't like variety, too. Let's be honest. It's not just guys. <laughs> oh, I know that's the truth. Now, now, speak to how your father had to comment about basically, instead of trying to fight temptation, you just don't put yourself in a position, avoiding the bullets. I love that. Right. Avoid the bullets. You know, there's a saying that my father had, my grandfather gave him, that if you don't want to get shot, don't where the bullets are. And we all need to know what our own bullets are. We, all of our bullets are different. Um, I know that for me, in a public space, it, I can be around the most temptation in the world, but if it's in a public space, I'm good. There's no bullet there for me. Mm -hmm. Now, there's some brothers who, who, that's not true. There's a bullet there for them. But for me, I know my bullets happen in private spaces. You know, I can convince myself that if I say, hey, let's just go up and watch the movie you know, let's say I'm on a hotel room in a location, and I say, hey, let's just go up and watch watch a movie in the room. You know, we just get the those the, the pay for move pay pay movie in the room type of thing. And we, you know, nothing's gonna happen. We're just gonna watch a movie. <laughs> I know that that's a bullet for me because that's private space. That's just an example. So you don't put yourself in that situation. You don't even tempt it. You don't even ask the person to join. You stay, you know, with them in any kind of public or private. The whole idea there is to know yourself well enough to not put yourself in situations where there could potentially be an issue or a problem where you have to really battle with yourself to impose discipline. Now, there may be some situations where it's unavoidable that you're attracted to somebody you meet. Then you don't, you know, you just have the discipline and not exchange numbers, even though you can convince yourself. That, you know what, oh, I'll exchange numbers with them because we're just going to be friends. Mm -mm. You don't need to. You don't have to. If, if, if you really are in a situation where you want to, and that's what I talk about, and you mentioned earlier in the book when I talk about getting a number from somebody um, in a bar. I didn't need to do that, but I did it. 
and I was wrong and it was a mistake on my part. Yeah, I, dude, I, 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 it's funny. I visualized that whole situation reading. It wasn't just words on paper. I was visualizing you going up to that bar, getting exchanging numbers with that young lady, and then looking at Nicole's face after, and, you know, of course, the hurt and disappointment on her face. So that, that had to just leave you feeling very convicted. Yeah, I mean, there are things. There, we're all going to make mistakes. Mm-hmm. You know, nobody's perfect. And you're not going to meet the perfect person for you because there's no such thing as the perfect person for you. But there are partners for you, people who can help elevate your life and have a vision for your life that is equally as great that you have for yourself. And there are folks that can bring surprise and joy to your life, all of those things. Um, But it's not perfection. And even in relationships, you're going to make mistakes. And you're going to do something uh, that you're going to do the wrong thing thinking you're doing the right thing. You're going to do the right thing thinking you're doing the wrong thing. You just never know. But what we can do, though, is to strive to do our best and to do better every day and to learn and not just be, not just cop out. We can do those things. We have that ability. Area code 704. 704, you're now up front and straightforward with Alan Roger Curry. What's your thoughts on either A, what Hill has expressed so far, or just your general thoughts on what is what can help black men and black women in their dating relationships or up to this point what has hurt black men and black women in their dating relationships well you know i think being involved in relationships over the years and paying attention to my own behavior you know things that i like and don't like tolerate don't all those little things that we look at it it's it's always about how did i react not or respond to the gentleman that i was involved with and what i've learned about that is communication is key i've learned that we're not even anywhere near where we should be in our thoughts about relationship because intimacy is a higher power and we're nowhere near that I think we're just still scratching the surface about how to even reach one another's soul. I know for women, we're in the wrong ballpark if we think, as y'all were talking about, the punani is going to turn you on when really it's about connecting with your heart, and we don't understand that. And so we think that if we run in there and, you know, give you a quick shot, that that's going to get it because we think, you know, but that's not it. And so I've just found that I really want to connect with someone on a friendship level. I really would love to leave that out and see where you go from there because I've I've noticed that is not healthy for people. And I've noticed. Do you think? um, Excuse me for interrupting, but do you think that is one of the biggest components in today's relationships between men and women, and particularly black men and black women, that they do not take the time to truly establish a genuine friendship that they just too quick to want to exchange orgasms and all about the the physical pleasure of being in a relationship? Yes. Yes, I do. I really do. And I'm almost 50 years old, and so I know that there is, um, you know, (laughs) I've been here for, I'm still young, but I've been here for a little minute, and, and I do, like I said, pay attention to myself, my own behavior. Because, you know, you don't want to take this behavior to this and this and this. So you're always learning about yourself. And I've just found that 
It is about how I, you know, how I show up in the relationship, and I want to show up with my higher self. So that's the work I have to do on me. Wow. What's your first name? My name is Kim Yon. Kim, Kim Yon. Well, I appreciate you calling in and contributing your thoughts and comments to the conversation. And uh, please continue to listen to Upfront and Straightforward with Alan Roger Curry. Um, I'm going to go with next, Eric Cole 562. Eric Cole 562, you're now Upfront and Straightforward with Alan Roger Curry. What are your thoughts on either something Hill Harper has said tonight or just your general thoughts on what can either help relationships between black men and black women or what has hurt relationships between black men and black women up to this point? Well, I want to comment on something that Hill said um, at the latter part of the conversation. And he said that there is no such thing as a perfect person. And I think that that is what has hurt relationships between not only black men and black women, but relationships in general. And what I mean by that is that when you come in contact with another human being, if they have lived longer than one day, then they are going to come to the table with life. And life is going to mean that they've had ups, they've had downs, they've had victories, they've had defeats. And I think so many times we have information overload and we're all trying to be these pseudo-psychologists and psychiatrists and psychoanalyze the next person. You ask anybody about relationships and the first thing they rattle off is, I don't want any drama, I don't want anybody with any baggage. Well, hello, you are baggage and you're drama. And anybody that says that they are not is lying to themselves. Now, the key to that is how you have managed that and how you have overcome that. And that can be an asset to a relationship. Are you going into the relationship to take or are you going into the relationship to give? And your comment or question to Hill and the young lady before me, are we looking to be friends? Are we trying to be friends or are we jumping the gun? You know, I look at it to say, are we going into the relationship to enhance that other person? Or are we trying to get something from them? And if we're just always being the taker in a relationship, well, we're always going to come up short because no one's going to fill every single need and desire that we have. But if we're looking to get, and Hill used the example of the Obamas and how, you know, there was a um, part of that relationship where Michelle was giving and loving and supporting And there are many sisters and men who would have looked at that and said, this isn't equal and I don't want this because we have this fictitious person in our head. And it just boils down to, you know, what are we looking for in relationships? And I think that to some, you know, everything that hurting people hurt people. You know, we've all been hurt. We've all had some type of disappointment, disillusionment in our relationships. And then where do we go from here? We can talk about being in relationships or we can start being in relationships. And that is a marathon. That is not something that we're going to get just because we make up our mind that we never want to go through anything else and we're going to find this perfect person and we're going to keep hopping over everybody else until we get there. That's the problem. You're not going to get there. You know, you're not. There's somebody perfect for you and maybe you need to learn how to choose more wisely. That doesn't mean that everybody that you come into contact with, you know, is a bad seed my take. What's your first name? My name is Maureen. Maureen? Maureen, I'm going to tell you something. And, you know, I try to use PG-13 language, but you just broke some shit down. (laughs) 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 
Yeah, even, even the people in the chat room were, were, were giving you. I, I'm serious. I, 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 I can smell again. I gotta use expletive, but I can smell bullshit a mile away. And the stuff you just said, in my opinion, is just so, so true. Number one, about the giving and taking. I mean, it's just like visualize, listeners, a man and a woman standing in front of each other. They both got a big bag in front of them with a bunch of goodies in it. Now, if they both just start giving away their goodies to each other, both of them leave happy. But if you got that big bag of goodies, I'm the man, I'm holding my bag of goodies, and the woman's holding her bag, and all I'm thinking about is what you're going to give me, but I'm not thinking about what I want to give you, then we both just going to be standing there for the longest. And no, both of us going to leave frustrated. So what, what Maureen said is so true, and I think people need to get out their notepads and write down that wisdom. And secondly, um, great point she made is that all of us, to one degree or another, are flawed. There are no, there's been said there's only been one perfect person who walked the earth, and that was Jesus Christ. Amen. All of us are are flawed, whether it be physically, non-physically, morally, whatever. And I think if we continue to go through life looking for this this imaginary perfect companion, you know, what, what I've always said when in pursuit of a uh, of a romantic companion is that you should look for a person who has as many common interests as yourself. And then those things that you don't share the same interests, I like to call those tolerable differences, common interests and tolerable differences. Now, I think everybody has the, at least a handful of what, what is known as deal breakers. Like for me, I don't, with all due respect to people who smoke, I don't like smokers. I can never date a woman who smokes. So smoking is a deal breaker for me. And I don't think you should sacrifice or compromise your deal breakers because then you're settling. But... That being said, along the lines of what you said, Maureen, I, I do think you have to recognize that every person you hook up with is going to fall short in, in some area, and you just have to deal with that. But uh, Absolutely. You know what I find funny, if I can just make one other comment, is that so many times when we meet somebody, you know, and you've heard that saying about meeting the representative. And if, you know, if we can just put on truth for a little bit, what I would love to meet, I'm a single woman, I would love to meet a brother that just comes and says, you know what, this is who I am. I am flawed. You know, I have some shortcomings. But nobody wants to be that person because we all want to, you know, put on that ego. We all want to be the best that we can be. And so it takes us years and years to discover who that person is. And so creating an environment in our relationships whereby we can be authentic and transparent and honest and allow that other person to be who they are because we have to realize, you know what, you've been living. Baby, you have been living for a while. I know you've had some bumps and bruises, and I'm here for the long haul. And when we can do that and allow that, men allow that for the women and women allow that for men. And men, when you come into contact with a sister who has not recognized her queenness, that's all right. Help her to get there. She may not be the person that you ultimately end up with, but drop a nugget on her so that the next man that comes along, then they'll find her in a better position. And sisters, when you meet a brother and he's not there where you want him to be, he's not for you, that's all right. You don't have to damage the man's self-esteem and leave him on the gutter. 
Just realize that's a brother. He's part of the humanity, human race. Leave that man better than you found him for the next sister. And when we do that, our relationships become enhanced because we'll have these relationships where we're taking care of one or the other. You know, we're our brother's keeper, and we're looking for that diamond in the rough. I'm looking for my, my Adam, and he's looking for his Eve, and then we're damaging everybody in between. That's not the way to do it. You know, we've got to have love as we're going on that journey, and then love will find you. You know, that other person, that bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh, they'll find you. But in the meantime and in between time, then walk in love and be loved. You know, and that's what will strengthen the black community. I love what Hill says. We do have to get back to where marriage becomes a staple in our community because we cannot build well. Our infrastructure is horrible because we've allowed things that we should have never allowed. We've celebrated baby mamas and baby daddies, and we've made those things very popular, and those should be things that bring shame, and we should endeavor to not let that continue. And to say, what do we do better? Start with the man and the woman in the mirror, but love each other, whether it's my man or not. You're not my man, but I love you. Hill is not my man, but I love him. You know what I'm saying? That's and right. We're talking we about to love that. tonight. That's right. Hey, I'm going to give you another one, boy. You just... <laughs> Maureen, you, you in the zone. You just, you, you just breaking <laughs> some shit down. I, I got to move on, but... But, but, sweetie, thank you for calling in with some very valid, valid, valid points, and I appreciate you, and I love you, too. No worries. Love you much. <laughs> that was Maureen. Okay, um, I'm a, before I go to my next intermission break, I'm going to take one more call and, well, maybe two. I'm going to take at least one, maybe two. But I know I got a buddy that's chomping at the bit. And that is Alex, a.k.a. Don Calypso from Erico 215. Don, here's going to be my challenging question for you. I'm all ears. I want you to name two characteristics that you think the opposite gender has fallen short in a major way, and then two characteristics that your own gender has fallen short in a major way. What say you? Okay, characteristic that they've fallen short. Well, from my experience being here in the United States, one thing I think a lot of black American women have fallen short in is uh, as far as the ability to choose wisely. Okay. They seem to have a propensity for choosing all the wrong type of guys. You know, they want the guy who's going to, you know, knock out the bottom, tear out the lining. Just, just go ahead and get raw on my show, dog. <laughs> I'm not going to get raw, but, you know. That's no, I ain't mad at you, man. Be real. Be real. But then when that guy, he blows their back out, leaves them pregnant, then they want to complain that, oh, black men eat, you know what. So true, true, that, true. That's one shortcoming. And then that whole, you know, I'm a strong, independent woman. I don't need no man. That's another shortcoming. I mean, they seem to have lost the ability to think in terms of, looking for someone with whom they're compatible, looking for the good in someone. It's all about, you know, it's all about me, 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 many, you know what. That's a, I think that's another area where I'd say they've fallen short. Okay. Well, I'm, I'm going to stop you before I let you get to your, uh, our gender, the man. I will say both of those points are fairly valid. One thing I've seen in my experience and observation that I've seen a lot of women do is they will – they will zone in on 
Matter of fact, my show next week is about why good girls love bad boys, and this relates to that. A lot of women, they like the edginess and sexy charm of the what I call the proverbial bad boy. And what, they, what they're naive in their thinking is that they think they can take a guy who's an incorrigible womanizer and provoke some kind of change at his core to be the man that they want him to be. And there's, of course, exceptions. So every now and then a woman might accomplish that objective. But more often than not, you're not going to change the tiger stripes. If a guy is a womanizer at his core, he's going to remain a womanizer for, for years to come. So then when they can't change that guy, they end up frustrated, and like you said, sometimes pregnant and frustrated. And then they they not only criticize that guy. Alan, be honest. It's not sometimes. A lot of times. Way too often they end up knocked up and frustrated. Come on. Don't, don't, don't be diplomatic here. I'm looking well, I don't, I don't, well, here's my thing. I think part of the problem among both black men and black women is that, truthfully, we we tend to have some loose generalizations. And so I'm trying to be, I guess, cautious in expressing what I feel might be an invalid or overly exaggerated generalization, and that's why I said some. Because, you know, for every sister that's just trifling and confused out there, there's some quality sisters out there. So I don't want to ever lay a blanket that's saying all sisters are messed up, because I hate it when when some certain sisters say all brothers are jacked up. Alan, you're a good one. So, yeah, they they, they are out there. But uh, but yeah, there are some sisters that do want the bad boy, thinking they can change him, and then when they can't change him, they say all black men ain't shit. You know, I hate to say it, but somebody put in the chat room. I'm scared that Rihanna is gonna go that way. Rihanna, the singer who got beat up by Chris Brown, she was on Good Morning America, and she said f love. So see, I'm feeling like now she's going towards that too. Like oh yeah, see, all black men ain't shit. No, it ain't all black men. It's Chris Brown beat your ass. <laughs> I mean, that's just real. Chris Brown beat your ass. All black men did not beat your ass. Chris Brown beat your ass. And she was attracted to him because he had that sexy bad boy charm. And to the other point, and then I'll get to, let you get to your other points, uh, about the, yeah, I, you, as you know, me and Steve Dean Williams did a show back in 2008 about that whole, um, I, uh, what is it? I, uh, oh, you said the sisters talking about they're strong, independent sisters. Yeah, I, I'm tired of that. I let sisters know who I know personally. They know I don't like that. Because my attitude is this. If a sister is truly strong, she ain't got to tell nobody. You know, my brother, who I was talking to earlier on the line, he always used to say, if you got to tell somebody you the shit, then you're not the shit. <laughs> um, if you're truly the shit, people going to tell you you the shit. And um, and that's the same with, with other things such as being strong, this strong sister. If you're truly strong, your your friends and acquaintances going to say that about you. You don't need to say that about yourself. So we got those two points about the women. Now, what are your most profound criticisms of our gender? Where do they fall short? Well, my major, major, major criticism with a lot of men and you know what? I've been guilty of it. I think at one point we've all been guilty of it. Is we get we let ourselves be led by our drive for sex. A lot of us, a lot of stuff we do, as Stephen D. Williams says, everything you are, everything you do, is so you can put your you know what in something the size of that quarter. 
sometimes a silver dollar. And that's why you got all those guys with the sagging pants, the do-rags, the grills. You know, they pimp up a, a, a Cutlass Supreme with the with the 20-inch rims. Mm-hmm. All of that because this is what they're giving access to the Punani. That's a major shortcoming. We got too many males out there, not enough men. You got too many guys who just, they do, they do whatever they can to get access to the Punani not being driven by something else. You know, they, they don't try to improve themselves for themselves. Everything they do is to get laid. So that's definitely one of the problems I see with our gender. Okay, and, and, and that's a valid one. I mean, that goes without saying, I think. Uh, yeah, man, I'm going to get raw. Men, a lot of men, we are pussy-driven. We are straight up just pussy driven and um and yeah i i, I think it, it leads to our downfall and you know what what's the interesting thing and this comedian in l a talked about this when i was one of my visits to l a it's not just about sex when we really are real with ourselves as men it's more about ego because if it was truly about sex we would want to have sex 100 times with one woman or 50 times with two women rather than one time with 100 different women. When you want to have sex one time with 100 different women, that's not a strong sexual desire. That's a strong egotistical desire to conquer. And I think that's where men get confused and say, well, I'm just all about sex. No, you're not. You 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 can be monogamous and be all about sex. So... Let's not get it twisted. When you want to have sex with every beautiful woman you see, every sexy woman you see, that ain't your testosterone talking to you. That's your ego talking to you because you look at every woman as a challenge and you say, I have got to conquer her. That's why we love sports. That's why most men love sports because we want the challenge of conquering someone else. We want to conquer that person. We want to say, I'm better than you in hoops. Baseball, football, I beat you. I want to be able to talk smack. And it's kind of the same underlying attitude with women. We want to, This comedian was talking about, he said, man, he said this joke. It was funny, but it was true. He said, man, isn't it funny that most of what we do in the pursuit of casual sex is all about just being able to be at that one party with your boys, and when that certain woman walks by that everybody thought couldn't be seduced, you're able to say, yeah, I hit that. And all the fellas just cracked up, Don. We lost it. And a lot of women didn't get it. But all the men totally got that because that's true. We want to look at that one woman at that party. Let's say her name fictitiously is Linda Williams. And before, all the guys were like, man, ain't nobody got none from Linda. Man, we can't. Ain't nobody can seduce Linda. And then you able to go to that party and say, yeah, I hit that. I hit that. And then all your boys worship you because you conquered her. So, again, it ain't about truly the sexual desire. It's about the egotistical desire to conquer. At least that's my two cents anyway. And uh, what's your second criticism of our gender? My second criticism goes, it, it piggybacks on that one because, again, this goes back to going back to that thread you had on, on this topic on Facebook where some women would shall be re- which shall remain nameless, were trying to get on me and uh, to be enlightened, mm-hmm. you know, talking of trying to defend the whole single mama is phenomenon. You know, when we talk about, oh, with all the fatherlessness, why don't you guys go talk to, talk to the men? Why don't you guys try to, try to tell the men to do better? One of the problems I have with our gender, especially in the black community, when you try to tell a guy 
hey, man, you know, you got to do better. You know, stop slinging dope or just sitting around the house and just knocking up these chicks and, and uh, living off their uh, Section 8. If you tell them, you know, to do something w with themselves, go to school, what they're going to say is, now, forgive this to your uh, PG-13 listeners, they'll be like, man, fuck you, nigga. What should I listen to you, man? I get more pussy in one year than you get in the whole lifetime. I mean, why do guys have to be, again, so freaking driven by their penis? Why, why is it that when you try to make an argument, something, try to debate logically, first thing is, well, so what, man? I get more ads than you do. Oh, you must be saying that because you can't get any. I mean, a few days ago on the, on the DJ Squid show, this one dude, you know, telling us we're being all misogynist and stuff, he was saying, oh, we don't think enough with our, with our big heads. And a self-guided pointed out, no, we think with our big heads. And the guy was like, oh, well, the reason you think with your big heads instead of the little heads is probably because you can't get laid. I'm like, come on. I hate it when guys do that. It's bad enough the women do this crap, especially the jackboot feminists, as Sarge would call them. But, but, again, but now you got dudes doing that crap, too. This is where they drop the ball totally. Again, that, that brings me back to my point I just made. I, them comments you said these guys were making about, oh, you can't get laid, and I get laid a hundred times more than you and all that. To me, again, that, that ain't even really about sex. On paper, you would say, come to the conclusion, that's about sex. But that's about the male ego. I always say the two, there's two E's that mess up both men and women. The big E that messes up women a lot of times is their emotions. A lot of women do not know how to corral their emotions, and they become emotionally attached to the wrong people and even to the wrong things like materialistic items. And that's basically, most people don't realize, that's basically what it means to be crazy. You know, you always hear people loosely use the term, oh, he's crazy, she's crazy. When I've read books, you know, written by top-notch psychiatrists, psychologists, what they essentially say in so many words is, when you're crazy is when you allow all your behavior to be dictated by your emotional impulses, your emotional impulses instead of just rational, logical thinking. Once you allow your emotional impulses to dictate your behavior, you've essentially gone into the crazy zone. But, yeah, with women, the big E is their emotions. With men, the big E is their ego. Yeah, men you know have done some women. stupid shit because of their ego. Alan, you know what causes the emotions in women? Especially when you say, you know, they, they, they get crazy over the wrong guy. Mm -hmm. Because when that guy is blowing their back out, hitting the bottom, twisting them in a the pretzel, they get this super rush of of phenylethylamine and uh and oxytocin and that's all she wrote now i'm familiar with oxytocin i'm not familiar with what's that first chemical you said pea phenylethylamine that's that rush you get when you when you first feel that uh how do you call it uh infatuation when you you know in the honeymoon stage where you can't get enough of that person you're perpetually in a high mm -hmm. yeah oh, okay. that's what okay. it is yeah, somebody smooth operator in the chat room. I see you. That's true. There's a a book. I forget the name of the author. He wrote a book called Emotional Intelligence, and he basically says that that's the key to success. Most people think it's just kind of like academic intelligence, but really, emotion. You got to be able to keep your. I say, as a human being in general, you got to be able to keep your emotions in check and your ego in check. And I lean with women more towards the emotions, and I lean with men more towards the ego. Some of the two things, man, among other things, psychologically, that get us into trouble 
is when we rely on our ego and our emotions. But, hey, I got to move on, Don. But before I move on to my next intermission break, can you give me the most enthusiastic mode one? Mode one. (laughs) That was good, man. (laughs) Alan Roger Curry. Your love front is straightforward. Taking a, 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 a intermission break, I'm gonna be back with our last 20 to 25 minutes of the show. I gotta give you a warning. I hope the chat room doesn't cut off. Hopefully, I'm be able to rectify it if it does. But I know anytime I go over two hours, I have problems with the chat room. And as you can see, I'm going two and a half hours tonight. So I'm um, give you a warning. If the chat room goes on the blink, that's not my fault. That is a blog talk radio thing. Yeah, a lot of times the chat room would just cut off at about the the two-hour and 10-minute mark or two-hour and 15-minute mark. So hopefully I won't have a problem. But I'm going to take intermission break, and I'll be right back. Hey, this is Hill Harper, and you can be the difference in the life of a child. Be big. Volunteer with Big Brothers Big Sisters. Do it today. The kids need us. Go to BigBrothersBigSisters.org. You having a hard time paying bills? Are you still waiting for the stimulus money to trickle down to your pocket? Well, you don't have to wait any longer. By joining our network, you'll be able to lower your utility bills while making an income for yourself for sharing our utility bill reduction program with your friends and family. Stop paying high prices for electric and gas service. Let us lower your utility bills while helping you earn money from sharing this opportunity with your friends. Call 301-534-9246 now. For the first 100 callers, we'll waive your membership fee and start you on your way to lowering your utility bills and putting more money in your pocket. Your stimulus has finally arrived. Call 301-534-9246 to become a member and start saving and making money today. Lifted myself as a quote unquote bad boy, at least not in all regards. I mean, I ain't mm-hmm. never robbed no bank and I ain't never <laughs> skipped two weeks of school. So, in terms of just various facets of my behavior, I wouldn't necessarily call myself that. But yeah, when it comes to sex, I've definitely been that guy. Because okay. I will push a woman's boundaries. You know what? To be honest with you, I think most women are waiting for a man to do that. Most women want a man to do that. Most women that are coming up in the day and age where a woman is supposed to be the good girl have this idea that a man is going to bring that out of her, and she's hoping that he will. Unfortunately, a lot of men, I won't say a lot of men, but, but some men have no idea what they're doing. And so they're not able to get that out of her. And then everybody's frustrated. She's frustrated. He's frustrated. Nobody knows why it's not working. But women are like, go ahead. Like, blindfold her and just take her wherever you, you want to take her. She's waiting for a man to command that. So Because she, she can't, you know, in some cases, be that free to say, okay, blindfold me and take me wherever you want to take me. And it's because in some ways she's afraid of where you might take her. You know, depending on what the relationship is like with him and, and how much she trusts him. And in other cases, she just doesn't know how to say that herself. No woman wants a man that can't lay it down in the bedroom. Period. <laughs> Period. 
And, you know, women, we go through this, oh, I want to be held and I want to cuddle and I want to talk. Yeah, we want to do all of that. But when it comes down to it, we want to be climbing off the ceiling just like everybody else does. Single, lonely, confused, join I invite you to listen to the most informative and entertaining talk radio show on the Internet for single men and single women looking to enhance their social lives, love lives, and or sex lives. Get on the phone right now and tell one or two of your single friends to listen to Upfront and Straightforward with yours truly, Alan Roger Curry, Thursday evenings at 10 p.m. Eastern, 9 p.m. Central, and 7 p.m. on the West Coast, right here on the Blog Talk Radio, Internet Radio Network. We now return to my open discussion about Hill Harper's best-selling book, The Conversation, on Upfront and Straightforward with Alan Roger Curry. Right here on the Blog Talk Radio, Internet Radio Network. Welcome back. Welcome back to Upfront and Straightforward with Alan Roger Curry. Um, as you can see, I'm going over two hours. I rarely go. My default length is usually... Um, Wait, people write me in the chat room. That's why I'm distracted. Um, I usually go about 90 minutes. Sometimes I extend my show to two hours. Tonight, I'm extending to two and a half hours because we are having a conversation about the conversation. That's right. We're having a conversation about the conversation. The conversation is Hill Harper's um, latest book. If you don't know who Hill Harper is, he's an actor. He's been in a number of movies, get on the bus, have plenty. He's currently on the TV show CSI New York, and he plays Dr. Sheldon Hawks on CSI New York, and he's also a three-time New York Times bestselling author. His latest book is called The Conversation, How Black Men and Women Can Build Loving, Trusting Relationships. And what I've been doing tonight is interesting. I've never done this before on my show. I've been kind of mixing a combination of pre-recorded interview audio with Hill Harper, and then I've been taking calls from my listeners and have them contribute their thoughts and comments to either A, what we need to do to improve relationships between black men and black women, or B, what factors do they feel has hurt the relationships between black men and black women up to this point, and um, I'm going to go ahead and pay my final play my final segment with my conversation. This is when I begin to wrap it up with Hill. Well, you know what, Hill? I just I know you got a busy schedule, but I say, man, you already got some of the highest academic credentials in the country. Just go ahead and add on that PhD in relationship therapy. <laughs> 
And I can call you Dr. Hill, man, because you are very thorough in listening and assessing and advising, and much props to you for that. And I just want you real quickly to let my listening audience know about any upcoming book signing events, any particular appearances, projects you might have in the works, uh, anything you want to tell my listening audience? Well, obviously, I'm, I'm still doing CSI New York, and there are other things coming in the future, and, and I, I am touring the country. The best way to follow and keep up with everything I'm doing, where I'm going to be, is on my Twitter, twitter.com forward slash hillharper or at hillharper, the at sign of hillharper. Just go on there, and it's H-I-L-L-H-A-R-P-E-R no spaces, dots, or lines. And everywhere I go, I will always say on Twitter, this is where I'm headed, this is where the event is, this is what I'm doing. Because it, it, it changes all the time, and, and it's, it's, it's all over the country. Um, but going into this holiday time, it, it tends to ratchet down a bit as far as the travel. You know, I think folks get into the holidays, and they want to do things, and, you know, Christmas presents and all that stuff. And, and I want to do the same things, too, and enjoy the holidays, and I'm still shooting the show. So I kind of rat ratchet it down. But then in January and February, you know, that's Dr. King's celebration of Dr. King in January, and, and, and then obviously uh, so-called Black History Month in February. I'm out on the road very busy again. And so get on Twitter, follow me there. And if you get a chance, please pick up the conversation. You know, you can get it at your local African American bookstore and bookseller or the national chains or go to Amazon.com or BarnesandNoble.com and just order through there for a discount. And, and have conversations, folks. Have your own conversation parties. You know, I talk about the conversation parties in the book, and you can do it in their conversation questions as the addendum in the back of the book for yourself and for your parties as well. So let's, let's continue the conversation, y'all, because that's the way we're going to see things change. And I'm just so proud and happy to have been on this show, and, and just thank you so much. Well, I very much appreciate you adjusting your schedule. I know, again, you have a very busy schedule, but I appreciate you accommodating myself and, and coming on here a second time. I enjoy you, and hopefully our paths will cross so I can connect with you in person again. And I just love the format of your book, the way you had a he say, she say, and black man speak. Uh, I think it's a great book, highly recommended, and I wish you nothing but continued success in the future. Listeners, that was Hill Harper. Much love to this brother. And much love. love. Live, live, laugh, live, laugh, and love, y'all. Live, laugh, and love. That's right. Hill Harper, folks. I'll return after this break, and you can call in with some more questions, and we'll continue the conversation. And I'm going to continue the conversation right now with area code 708. Area code 708, you're now up front and straightforward with Alan Roger Curry. What are either your thoughts about some of the stuff Hill Harper has said tonight, or secondly, I want you to give me either your thoughts on what do you think black men and black women can do to improve their relationships, or what factors you think have hurt their relationships up to this point? Um, what's up? This is Scholar Twenty Four Fourteen. I think um, what black men and women need to do to get their relationships back on track is to get back to um, interpersonal relationships and not to be afraid of showing people who they are. I think um, we tend to play this facade, and we are too afraid to show people, you know, who we are inside. You know, we like to dress up the, the pretty lie and not um, show, you know, the, the ugly truth, which is really beautiful. I think that, you know, we have 
we got too many self entitlement issues and a lot of us don't have a lot of self love for ourselves and when we come into a relationship we expect somebody else to carry on the burden of loving us. I think um really we need to basically become I before you become we, you know. And then by becoming I you should also learn how to sacrifice that I for we and um Oh, I agree with that. Yeah, you can't go into any relationship being selfish. Uh, uh-huh. that, that's a recipe for disaster. So, yeah, I totally uh-huh. agree with that point. I mean, uh, everything, everything's been said. I mean, there there does need to be conversation and dialogue between both men and women, you know. Um, and that's that's sometimes that's how great things start by just talking, you know. But that, you you, be wait, able- let me stop you on that. You said things start by just talking. And what's the name of Hill Harper's book? The what? The Conversation. The Conversation. So that plays right in, brother. Uh, okay, go on. I didn't mean to interrupt you. Oh, no. I mean, you know, every every great, some of the great greatest things in in human history have started with just conversations between people. You know, so if you want, you know, black men in relationships, men, men and women relationships to get back on track, then we have to, you know, talk with each other, you know, get all the negative energy energy out and, you know, come united on common grievances and common um, goals and aspirations, you know. We may not see eye to eye on everything, but we can't agree that, you know, okay, we have a problem with out-of-wedlife um, birthright. We have a... a, a, a a, a grievance with, you know, the economic status of our community. You know, we have a grievance with, you know, irresponsible, ignorant-ass black men and, ba- and black women. You know, we unite on that, you know. I used to love when Malcolm, Malcolm X used to say we need to get, you know, certain things out of out of the key things in the closet and unite on the basis of what we have in common. You know, and black men and women have a lot of things in common, you know, and we need to unite unite on, on that basis. But, you know, when you have one side that don't want to listen and another side that don't want to hear it either, you know, if it goes one hand and out the other, nothing gets done. You don't get any any progress done. You know, when one side on the other and the other one's pointing the finger at the other, you know, Everything, whether it be good or bad, should always be out of love. You know, he'll talk about. I want you to say that again. Should always be out of what? Out of love. That's right. Because you know what? I don't know if you saw the movie This Is It. Um, I I I grew up, born and raised in Gary, Indiana, hometown of Michael Jackson. I'm from Chicago, so I understand. Okay, and uh, I love the movie This Is It because even when he criticized people, he always made a point of saying. I'm not, you know, basically, I'm not saying this to be mean or to be an asshole. I'm saying it with love, L-O-V-E. And I know it kind of sounds corny at times. It sounds cliche at times. But the reality is, man, if we did more things with love in our hearts, it was it would prevent so much of this, this animosity and, and bitterness and... You know, I was telling somebody, I had a person who was disruptive, honestly, in my chat room recently. Mm-hmm. And I criticized him for it. And he said, you know, why are you getting on my case, you know? I said, because there's a way you can disagree with people 
without it having anger and bitterness behind it. Right. You know, I you might say, you know, I think Magic Johnson is the best NBA player, and I might think Michael Jordan is the best NBA player, and we can debate that, but it don't have to come down to, oh, motherfucker, you crazy, man. You crazy if you think. I mean, you know, ain't never got to get to that point. And that's what's wrong, I think, you know, with a lot of interpersonal relationships, whether it be interpersonal relationships with our same gender or the opposite gender, we let too much of this anger and lack of love come into play, man. And it's just led to a lot of unnecessary violence, unnecessarily unnecessary killing. And, yeah, man, so that's a great point you made. Hey, I'm I'm coming down to my last few minutes, so I'm going to have to – Cut to short, but I really appreciate you calling, Scholar. Um, no problem. Great feedback. You've uh, contributed to the show. Now i got to tease somebody for like 10 seconds real quick, 10 seconds. 818, I just want you to just say, hi, Alan Roger Curry. <laughs> hi, Alan Roger Curry. <laughs> uh, see, listeners, when you hear me give a special shout-out to the beginning, it's to the lovely and talented Tyler Collins, and I just, I'm addicted to this woman's voice, and I'm very smitten with her, I know I'm embarrassing her right now, so I'm going to go ahead and mute her mic, but uh, she, yeah, I'm I'm letting the people know, she does it for me, and uh, I was just talking, preaching about love, that's right, that's, uh, see, I'm, 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 I'm getting a little romantic towards the end of the show. Um, anyway, but yeah, if you want to, you got a last minute, uh, call, I'll let you, I'll take maybe one more call, one more call about relationships and, and wait, I see a bunch of people in the queue, but their hand I raised. See, if, if you, if you're listening, just listening, I don't see, I won't see a hand, but if I, uh-oh, uh-oh, now all of a sudden I see, oh, now, now see y'all something else. I got like five minutes left in the show and now like. Twelve hands just all of a sudden raised. Um, let me see if I if I somebody I haven't taken before. Seven seven three. Have we talked? Yes, we have. Oh, okay, okay. I don't want to. I'm trying to get somebody new. I think a lot of these people have talked already. Cause uh, yeah, I think through I've talked to this person. I talked to that person. Ah, uh, well, see, I can't get any you guys. All the people who got their hands raised now, I've already talked to you. But I just want to say in closing that it was a true pleasure being able to interview Hill Harper for the second time. Um, I think he's a very intelligent brother. Uh, Some people have questioned whether or not he has the credibility to write this book. And it's it's a valid question to ask because he's not married. He's not in a relationship. But he did make it clear at the outset. He said, I am not a relationship expert. He, He does not try to fancy himself relationship expert. And he's very open and honest about his own flaws in this book. So because of that, you know, I give him his respect. I think you should pick it up. It's called The Conversation, How Black Men and Women Can Build Loving, Trusting Relationships. And one similarity it has to it's my book, it, my book, Mold One, Let the Women Know What You're Really Thinking, emphasizes honest communication. His book emphasizes honest communication. Um, he's not about playing games. I'm not about playing, engaging in manipulative head games. And one, in terms of his format, one thing, if you were to read my book, Mo One, I ask a lot of questions. At the end of each chapter, I have the reader ask themselves a lot of hard-nosed questions. And 
he does that at the end of his book. He has a at the very end, he has a number of questions that he wants the reader to ask. Some questions are to do specifically with themselves. Other questions have to do with their thoughts on, you know, the people they've dated in the past or currently. And uh, it's just a very well-written book. And so it's going to get an Alan Roger Curry endorsement, the conversation, How Black Man, because, you know, brothers and sisters, man, we 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 gotta you know <laughs> we gotta get rid of these these petty differences that we have because as I mentioned at one point in the show you gonna have a lot of brothers and sisters sixty five seventy seventy five just lonely you know just nobody around nobody to love nobody to love them and uh, so I just would hate to see that it's all about love remember it's all about love I appreciate everyone who called in tonight. Much props to you for stepping up to the plate and expressing your your comments, your thoughts. I, uh, I I always appreciate all my listeners, particularly my chat room listeners. Man, just uh, you got to give it up for the chat room. You got to just, just, just give it up for the chat room. I already looked at some preliminary numbers. Do you know this show is already my third or fourth most Listen to show ever by live listeners, and I give a lot of the credit to self-guided, Scholar 2414, Inexplicable, Miss Egypt, Malia W., Madison Media Radio, that's my dog, James 365, Intimate Discussions, Yanni will be on my show next month. She got to talk to Hill Harper, and I will play a clip of her talking to Hill Harper when she's a guest on my show in December. House Music Lover. Got a number of guests. Don Calypso, thank you for calling in. Diamond Air Lifestyle, Born Before Time. Benny Randall, Benny Randall got the deepest voice of any man I met in history next to Barry White. I never met Barry White, but Benny Randall, the brother just got one of them real deep. I can't even imitate him because his voice is just so deep. He's, he's, I call him Barry White Jr. because his voice is so deep. But I see him in the chat room. I love you all. Next week, I will have Derek Watkins talking about why good girls love bad boys. And that's going to be interesting because y'all girls know y'all love the bad boys, bad boys. Hey, have a safe, enjoyable weekend. I will see you next week. Love you guys. In all your interpersonal relationships, be upfront and straightforward.